Greetings all, this is Bonnell with the January 6th Insurrection Podcast, and it has been a hot minute since I last jumped on the horn. I did send out a video last week. Um, the uh, response to it has been mixed. I don't really know um, what else to say about that, but it was a lot of fun putting it together. It's almost like a synopsis of... Um, J6 since it was the anniversary last week and I wanted to kind of encapsulate what evidence was found in the report as well as everything else that I've been gathering since then so the video I don't know I'm doing some other things with that but having like a live video of myself talking with voice I'm still trying to hammer out to me when I watch other podcasters and they are um, doing video and voice it's kind of a struggle because you always have to look at what they're doing and really they're just sitting in a chair not moving so for me I'm trying to understand a better way to make it more entertaining on such a specific and um, you know kind of um, bland topic. Well, it's not bland, but it's not exactly, um, you know, J6 is one of those events where it is um, a heartache and a headache at the same time. And for me, I'm trying to make that entertaining, which in fact it isn't. And that kind of brings me to the real problem. You know, you watch the mainstream media and they are you know, skewing everything. And and to say that the Biden document uh, fiasco is not sloppy, um, to, I mean, that's the understatement. And, you know, but you, you know, it's perspective and how you perceive what has happened and what is happening. And the media, as usual, is not focused on what really is um, what really is happening. And it's just, it's red meat to go after Biden because, you know, that's sensationalism and not really looking at the facts. And it really is, um, uh, evident about how the media is not paying attention to the ball and the ball is bouncing around with not just Trump's documents, but He's a, a a traitor, and he's stolen. He has stolen documents. Whether he took them, how he got them, and what he's doing with them, is another story. But to say the two are connected, um, yes, they are. But you have to look at the the perpetrator and the person that's actually um, that ha- that is dealing with the documents and i'm not going to get into it maybe i'll talk about it later but for me they're really you know it's uh, apples and oranges and i keep hearing people say that i say that all the time and this couldn't be any more um evident here because one person is currently the president and was the vice president and never left government where you and and then the other person is a game show host who is a um, coup plotter 
who stole documents. So you tell me which one is worse, and then we can have a debate. But right now, to me, it's it's not even um, it's not an argument. So the latest on the J6 hearing is um, the latest. Latest is the Proud Boys and. The Proud Boys leader, Enrique Tario, you know who he is. He looks like a militant um, black guy with um, preppy kind of glasses and a baseball cap that says whatever it says. And um, he's on trial right now along with everyone else that um, he has been conspiring with for quite some time. You remember this group. They're the ones that uh, Trump told to stand back and stand by on uh, the debate stage between him and Biden. And, you know, that kind of everything was in motion before that because they've always been in existence. So for him to act as if he was unaware of who they were, what they stood for is is um ridiculous but some of his friends that he is now dragging along with him are his co-defendants joseph biggs of florida organizer zachary rell um he's the president and dominic pizzola of new york and mccullough so these are some of the people who are currently in you know, they're selecting the jury right now. And um, there was some media attention earlier on in the week about how the attorneys for the Proud Boys were arguing because um, they couldn't get a fair shake. You know, the thing about a conspiracy is that it has a lot of tentacles. And one of the January 6th insurrection tentacles is in Wisconsin. And being um, a cheesehead myself and uh, Wisconsin being my alma mater, I take this very seriously. And Senator Ron Johnson, I believe his name is, he is um, currently uh, in the House and of Wisconsin, and he... Uh, is deeply involved and every time he's asked about it he gets a little pissy and when he gives answers they make no sense and he wordsmiths everything because he knows that they're hot on his tail so he's one problem with the fake electors because his office tried to pass them on to Pence and then Pence disagreed, and then he believes that because he didn't accept it that there was no crime. That's the problem. And now there is another individual in Wisconsin who just filed a complaint in Wisconsin, and they wanted to um, they wanted to um, bring a case against one of the elect doors that was filing a fake certificate and in Wisconsin um, this is uh, a no-no and I'm trying to find his name but this just happened recently where the elector was the judge on the complaint and then who was a GOP um, 
GOP ally, and he dismissed the complaint saying that what the fake electors were doing was fine because the Trump trial, meaning the votes, um, trying to find fraud in the votes, which never happened, but still on January 6th, they were saying that it was. So that's why he dismissed the complaint. I know it's confusing because it is, but basically a Wisconsin uh, judge dismissed a complaint saying that what Trump was doing was legal, when in fact it wasn't. So I wanted to get the names of the people regarding that Wisconsin case. So the guy who was uh, the fake elector was a commissioner by the name of Robert Spindle. And a Madison-based law firm called Law Forward, they uh, filed a complaint. And the complaint basically said that this Robert Spindle, the commissioner, had um, done something illegal. He forwarded those fake electors, and he shouldn't have. And then it was brought before the judge in Dane County, and a judge by the name of Jacob Frost in Dane County Circuit, he um, dismissed the case uh, because he felt, and remember, he is a GOP um, appointee and a Trump ally, he dismissed the case saying that what this... Um, this guy, Robert Spindle, did was legal because there because there the um, because the election still wasn't decided. That was his defense. Um, remember, uh, the election was already um, had already been confirmed uh, a couple weeks afterwards, and we were moving forward, but there were still cases and trials happening. And this happened after the fact and should never have, um, well, it should never have been dismissed because now we know that the fake electors um, were submitted by these people and they still haven't been held accountable. And the reason they haven't been held accountable is because you have judges who are dismissing the cases saying that what they did was perfectly fine. And there lies the conundrum, right? You have the GOP who have strategically uh, aligned judges who are really doing the devil's bidding. And this is a perfect example. So Wisconsin needs to get their act together because right now you have two, um, uh, two traitors in the mix and why people are, you know, getting back to January 6th and the people who are being tried in court right now, the Proud Boys and everyone else that I talked about, um, you know, there's over 900 people have been um, tried and you still have Mark Meadows, Donald Trump, um, Scott Perry, uh, John Eastman, and Jim Jordan, who I'll get into later, but they're walking around as if nothing has happened. And the problem is you have, uh, most recently, uh, Ron Johnson on the um, weekend shows just, you know, 
making no sense and saying that um, what he did was perfectly legal when in fact it's perfectly the opposite. And that's the problem is that people are not paying attention to the ball. And that's the problem. I mean, I just don't get it. He, Ron Johnson was blaming the media for actually reporting the actual news. He's like, um, you know, because he's sitting on a, on a committee and Todd asked him, well, shouldn't you recuse yourself because you're being investigated? And he's like, well, wh- I, you know, what happened to innocent um, before proven guilty? And that's absolutely true. But what also is um, a fact is that you were deeply involved and evidence shows that you had your dirty little fingers in um, the electoral plot. And that's part of a conspiracy. And that's part of the tentacle that they're not really understanding. Um, So speaking of Trump, you know, he's back in the news because of his rape charges. And that poor lady who he keeps defaming um, every time he opens his mouth. And once again, another tentacle to his... um, to his innocence. And I was thinking about this, like, of course he did it. Of course. But, because people are going to defend him regardless. And, you know, the evidence is right out there in the open. You know, grab their pussy and grab anything. And and why would it be beyond the stretch of the imagination that he would rape a poor woman that was uh, defenseless? right? Um, Who knows what was going on? And that is none of my business. But what is my business is when the president is lying and scheming and um, using the seat as a defense. That's where I come in. So another witness to the Donald Trump crime spree was John Kelly. And John Kelly was Trump's White House Chief of Staff. I believe he was the second. Uh, Rince Priebus was Priebus, whatever, was the first one. And John Kelly, General John Kelly from the Department of Defense, um, General Army, um, well-respected, was his second White House Chief of Staff. And there's some... um, latest news about how he had to talk Trump out of nuking uh, North Korea because he couldn't understand the um, the diplomacy aspect of what was going on in North Korea and how it would affect us, essentially. He didn't understand that if he bombs them that that would be a bad thing for us too. Right, you're dealing with an infant, so he doesn't understand basic concepts. I mean, it's obvious. But anyway, um, John Kelly um, has always been of interest to me, and I've actually spoke about him before because in a book that I believe Ivanka Trump put out or her people put out saying that John Kelly uh, pushed her, um, apparently, allegedly which is um, absurd, but 
she was saying that because John Kelly really didn't agree that the um, spawns of Trump should have security clearances, rightfully so. We now know, right, it was a bad idea, but people are too ignorant to understand that. So here you have a general who is a, um, a lifer, right? He is in government because that's what he does and that's his job. And then you have a game show host coming in with his um, derelict children trying to uh, do grown-up things. And John Kelly was the voice of reason who tried to um, steer that ship. And he did it for, I believe, a year until he couldn't do it anymore. And the reason John Kelly is back in the news is because people are writing about him that he really hasn't said much. Well, let me tell you, Mr. John Kelly, from a veteran to a veteran, I will provide you a safe environment to discuss um, the former uh, president's um, actions. Because I think that that is what's missing from our um, media outlets is that a perspective of truth because you know the cnn's and the msnbc's it's it's garbage and the problem for us as um lifers um we don't just say or do anything just to do it it has to there has to be a principle behind it and i understand why he hasn't said anything because he doesn't want to get in the mix, but from a um, from a strategic standpoint, I think you you really need to start saying something because already we have a DOJ that is not doing their job. That's why he continues to um, steer this country in the wrong direction, and it's quite obvious just based on current events that we're the chumps. Yeah, people are stealing our lunch because of this still, because of this debacle of the GOP for going on six years now. And that brings me to their latest headache called George Santos. You know, um, a sloppy bottom, that's what he is, sloppy bottom. And I love the way straight people are kind of dancing around. They don't even mention the fact that he said he's married and he's a gay man and what is he doing? And he's compromised. That's what he's doing. And he continues to compromise um, our legislative body because you have a um, Speaker of the House who's as compromised as the next person. And then you have people like John Kelly who are, you know, with their hair on fire saying, no, you can't, you know, power over principle. And this is now, it's amazing how this is all coming to a head now because of what's going on. And Santos, the sloppy bottom, is just um, a symptom of what really is going on. And I heard somebody this morning say, you know, just switch out Santos' name with Trump and you get the same deduction, right? They lie because they can and they will because they're allowed. And you don't have a leadership that says any difference. And you have Mitch McConnell, who is... Um, pretending that he's in charge when in fact it's the Freedom Caucus that is running the show. And then that brings me to Scott Perry, who is the leader of the, of the pack. 
And until the media starts talking about real, um, real issues, like uh, instead of talking about Biden's documents that he has in his garage parked next to the Corvette, they should concentrate on who the Freedom Caucus is. Who is Jim Jordan talking to? Why is Don Trump Jr. flying all over the United States trying to subvert an election? Those are the topics of the day, not sloppy bottom George Santos and um, President Biden's documents. I love the way they try to make this false equivalency between the two when, in fact, they're not. It's, you know, apples and oranges. So let's get on to um, more of Trump's allies, Jim Jordan, right? So on January 5th, 2021, Jim Jordan texted Mark Meadows, passing along advice. He wanted him to send a text message to Mike Pence saying that he should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all, knowing that they had already sent fake electors to seven different states, right? So here it is. It is in a text message. Of course, it's his because it's tracked and traced and everything else. Um, I mean, it, it's a conspiracy. It's right there in text, and people are still, well, well, what is Jim Jordan? He's not involved. And this guy is on the Judiciary Committee. And there you go, another major problem. So the thing about that text message from Jim Jordan to Mark Meadows is that why would he send that message um, specifically about quote, unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all, end quote, because he knew that somewhere in play were um, fake electors and the submission of certificates. See, so that's part of the conspiracy. He knew what was going on. And, you know, Jim Jordan, um, how he remains in office is beyond me. And I would say that there's some um, nefarious... um, things going on because it's just it, it it stinks because it does and he was subpoenaed on May 27th 2022 um, for a deposition and he just blew it off now um, this is to any employee out there if your boss was say was to tell you you need to come in there was a serious um, issue and we need to understand more about it and then they say no I'm not coming in now do you think that would fly in a normal world uh, so then why do we allow these crooks and thieves to be able to do this on our dime that really is the, the blatancy of it and you can just see Jordan and how he froths at the mouth about everything that has to do with um, any compromise, right? He's one of the Freedom Caucus members, if not one of the leaders of that caucus and um, everything else that they're involved in. Um, so, and then he, then he um, has a, a rally and um, campaigns off of it for money, saying, I've been subpoenaed at a fundraising event. See, he's making money, campaign funds, because he's 
a crook and being and and defying deposition subpoenas. That's a problem. And I don't understand why people are allowed to kind of just why are see that's the topic of the day, meaning the news, not Biden's documents. We yes, it's a problem. We realize that it makes a great story. You know, what about what aboutism? We get it. But and that's where we need to expect more from our um, from news, to be quite honest, because it's all fake and it's all distorted. So Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and Scott Perry are on the front of a um, website called the House Freedom Fund or the Freedom Caucus. And Scott Perry got a million dollars from them for the last campaign. So if somebody's giving you a million dollars, they're going to expect something in return. It's like a date. You know, I'm taking you on a date. I expect something. And that's kind of how this rolls. My point is, is that why are these three fools, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and Scott Perry on the front of that website? Hmm. I wonder why. Because they are as involved as the next person. And, you know, what I'm trying to understand is why are congressmen who are under investigation in the House or the Senate and they're sitting on committees who are going to decide whether um, these um, investigations can move forward? That's what needs to be corrected in our process. It's, and we're seeing it in real time. That's why everybody's kind of standing around looking at each other. Because to be quite honest, all of these people who I've mentioned today should already have been indicted. They should already be in jail and waiting their sentencing and their court hearing. But that hasn't happened. And I think that is why most people are kind of up in arms because you have everyone walking free and just doing whatever they want and saying whatever they want to boost their base so that they look innocent when in fact they're not. So another tentacle in the conspiracy is the name of Ali Alexander. And this little piece of shit was the founder of Stop the Steal, right? So Ali Alexander was known and personally um, involved with Donald Trump. And how do we know that is because Trump nicknamed him Sammy Davis Jr. after the famous entertainer from the 50s. Sammy Davis Jr. was a famous, like, part of the Rat Pack. And Ali Alexander, who I don't think is black, I think he is from the Middle East somewhere. But um, go figure. He's uh, trying to subvert our uh, Constitution. And everything that the United States is about. And why you would even question that he would be involved with it is beyond me. But Trump knew him personally to call him Sammy Davis Jr. Well, anyway, this guy tipped off Paul Gosar. Now, Gosar is in the House of um, Congress. And he was involved in brewing the violence on January 6th because Ali Alexander 
texted Gosar two minutes before Gosar got on the floor of Congress and says, and I quote, I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object, end quote. Gosar said with an American flag COVID mask pulled down under his chin to the counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. That is Paul Gosar, who got a text message from Stop the Steel founder, Ali Alexander, or Trump's friend, Sammy Davis Jr., um, telling him two minutes before Gosar gets on the floor and objects to the electoral process. Now, you think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. And that just digs Gosar's hole a little bit more because the reason you keep hearing his name is because he's part of the conspiracy. And along with Trump and Elia Alexander, you know, they're all texting each other and planning and plotting and scheming. But also Alexander, um, the founder of Stop the Steal, worked with Roger Stone. Now, Roger Stone was the person who invented the term Stop the Steal, but he was fine with Ali Alexander using it because they realized that it was a hit, right? Everybody enjoyed it. It was fun. It was making money, failing to realize that they were essentially staging a coup, um, uh, which they knew, and that was part of the plan, right? Roger Stone... Um, along with um, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, who they're intimately involved with, planning and plotting January 6th and everything else in between. And that's the part that gets lost by the media because it's the details and the facts. And in order to get a clearer picture of what actually has transpired here, you have to see all the facts um, together. And, but that's not how the general public or the American people are learning to understand this because it's so complex and blatant that it's difficult to put it together because it's right there in the open, right? The coup is right there. The evidence is right there. But yet people and the Department of Justice are struggling to um, call it what it is. And that's the part that baffles me. And there's no sense of urgency for something like this. And why a special counsel would be put on the Biden documents case when somebody should have a special counsel arresting Ali Alexander or Roger Stone. Oh, they can't because Trump pardoned Roger Stone in December of 2020. I believe it was 2020, yeah, December 2020. It couldn't have been 2021 because he was not president. So it was at the December 2020. And there lies the problem. But anyway, I'm going to wrap things up and we'll chat soon. I'm going to try to get some more video out and everyone have a wonderful day. Talk to you later. Smell you later. Mm -hmm.